0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another spring training episode of the bastards of Boston baseball for the listening audience. We will be, let's see. I think it's tomorrow is what Monday is the 13th, 17 days away from opening day. So, uh, that's two weeks and three days. So getting a little closer Things kind of taking more shape, getting a better idea of what that opening day roster will look like. We know who the opening day pitcher will likely be. We'll be getting into that momentarily. It's going to be a little bit of a surprise to me, but uh, before we do, my co host for this episode, Nick from our YouTube team, kind of coming off the bench, kind of being the Brock Holt of the crew, just doing, you know. Filling in the gaps for us and uh, killing it at the same time. So how are you, Nick? I'm doing great, Terry.
1: How about you? (laughs)
0: Oh, having having a great day, a much better day than Craig Tweed, or Teed, excuse me, is having. Uh, A guy who likes to chirp us on social media was going to be starting a podcast and then... Creepy DMs surfaced last night with some girls that may or may not have been underage. I'm gonna, I'm saying may or may not because there's no verification of this, but that's what it looks like. Um, So, a very uh, fun night for us last night uh, as all that went down.
1: That was a night where you needed to refresh your Twitter feed pretty (laughs) much minute by minute to see more and more that was coming out of this very disturbing, rotten, just, I I was speechless when I saw some of these things. And again, like you said, you need verification on some of these things to see if it was right right or wrong. But the screenshots of everything between interacting with people that were underage, pictures that were taking that were inappropriate, it's sick, Terry. That is sick. I have no tolerance. I have no uh, respect. I have no anything for anything like that.
0: You sent me the the screenshots and initially, because I'm out kind of working, so I'm not locked in uh, to Twitter uh, at the moment it all went down. And I'm like, do you know this person? Because I'm thinking like only you know this. And you're like, no, they're yep. out. <laughs> He's getting destroyed right now. And yeah. Uh, yep. I'm not a cancel culture guy. Typically, I mean, I think I think people kind of take it to the extreme in some cases. And then, of course, there are other cases where it is warranted. But um, but this was bad. And the first one comes out and that one in and of itself is game over for him. And then wait 20 minutes and, oh, here comes another one. And and then 20 minutes after that. It oh, kept getting comes, worse and worse. Here comes another one. Yeah. It, it really was, did. It was a bad night and he was trying to defend himself. And um, it looked like he may have deleted his Twitter, but I have an everything app- now. Well, with
1: everything's Twitter, deleted
0: now. Uh, even
1: his LinkedIn, I heard, I've seen, is now gone.
0: Okay. Well, his Twitter yep. actually, uh, with this app that I use to manage the uh, Twitter accounts, it's actually showing him as suspended. So I don't know if that's accurate or not. But uh, oh, interesting. One way or the other, I mean, he's not going to be on social media. So um, yeah, it's. <laughs> It was a it was an interesting night. It's it's a rare night when the bastards are not the bad guys on Twitter <laughs> for, you know, criticizing Bloom or some some take we might have that gets people upset. I don't know if you
1: got a chance to
0: ever like interact with Craig Teed or not, but oh, even yeah. I personally,
1: I feel dirty even talking to the guy. I do. Yeah. Like I feel like wow. Not to say that there were warning signs or anything about like his demeanor and his presence online from everything. But if you hear a lot of people talk about their interactings, especially some of the female audience who does their podcasts and follows teams, he always had some sort of a creepy vibe to him. And for professional standpoint, for any sort of thing out there that if you don't feel comfortable with working with somebody and doing things in the right light, I think all eyes were opened on him a little bit. And It almost—I one of the people that I'm friendly with on Twitter was like, "Wow, like this is like I can't believe this happened." But at the end of the day, some people kind of knew rumblings about really who he was and what he was doing. And I applaud the females that came out and stood up for what's right because that sort of behavior, in in any sort of light, is just—it's disgusting. It's disgusting. I mean for someone who podcasts and somebody who follows the teams, this is what I tweeted last night from my response to the thing. I said, as another guy who podcasts, enjoys talking Red Sox and interacting with so many others, it's a sad night in our media circle. The golden rule is something we all learned in school. Treat others with dig- dignity and respect. I have no tolerance for this behavior witness tonight, and I'm appalled. That was my response from last night. And majority of the audience out there was the same way there was, there's no coming back from something like that.
0: Yeah. It, uh, it, I mean, I think that's very well stated on your part. We also, I put out a statement on, uh, the bastards account as well. Uh, and I I took it a step further saying that there should be a criminal investigation here. Uh, he did exchange absolutely based on one of the screenshots. He did exchange, uh, pictures with, one of the girls who, again, may or may not have been underage. And um, it was just a shirtless picture, so nothing technically illegal. But that begs the question, was there at some point perhaps something sent illegally? You know, we don't know for sure, but um, it's definitely I, I think law enforcement should definitely take a look at that. Um, and as far as my previous dealings with him, uh, we played what I like to call patty cakes on Twitter, just, you yeah. know, debates, they were mostly healthy and respectful. Um, you know, not like the, I mean, we have haters that just come at us with all kinds of toxic crap and I, I typically don't engage with them, but, uh, but I didn't notice anything. Uh, there was nothing that stood out to me about him, but my interactions were probably a little bit more limited. And he was just tweeting me, uh, chirping me a week ago, weekend ago. um, It was something to the effect of Bayo's injury. And he was trying to make it look like it's normal for him to have this. And I'm like, well, no, it's not because he was working with Pedro all winter. Uh, You know, his arm had been, you know, had been worked on throughout the winter. And, you know, there's nothing normal about that. You know, it was an unfortunate setback and. So he's just trying to protect the narrative on ha- on behalf of the Blumenati. And, um, you know, I wasn't having it. And uh, so we, we had a little bit of a back and forth with that and uh, nothing, uh, you know, since. And, of course, everything went down last night. So, so just- he was
1: involved with um, a couple different things. It was like the Bojo- Bosox injection. He was the co-host of the WSO pod and i know that they have dropped him immediately from that and rightfully so oh you did know? they okay oh yeah they dropped him well, yeah i thought
0: he was the founder so therefore i think i thought he was the one that was whoever even-
1: was his other host on the w o w o s o one he uh that that other host is done okay so they're going to be moving in another direction so
0: i mean they really you know obviously had no choice in that but yeah yeah just kind of crazy There's another, you know, Red Sox podcast who's, you know, there's been questionable things uh, in in his past, but uh, I won't get into that uh, at this point, but uh, certainly not on the level of uh, the Craig Teed stuff either. So I'll also say that. My whole thing
1: is that if if you're representing yourself and your brand and everything with with good, good quality people, with following the Red Sox and team and everything, I just think there's always should be a standard of excellence in a way where... You have people on there that represent you in the best way that your, you know, your podcast would like, like rightfully so with yours, Terry, you wouldn't want to have somebody come on who's an absolute nitwit who <laughs> yeah. brings the level of your podcast and everything down. You want somebody that can, can, can carry your brand and do a nice job.
0: Yeah. We wouldn't put anyone on here that had a shady past for sure. Um, Another fun fact, uh, last fall we were seeking a, ho- a co-host and um, yep. Craig Teed was uh, briefly considered uh, for the interview rounds and I got some information on him. Nothing uh, creepy or anything, but it was just information that kind of made me feel like he wasn't going to be a fit. And uh, yep. so uh, <laughs> it's a good I, thing. I've always
1: said with you, you know, I've, I've followed you pretty much since day one from everything and even when um, I didn't become one of the other new hosts from everything in the past fall, you know, I took the high road. I wanted to still be involved, and I yeah. appreciate you continuing to allow me to be Brock Holt and come off and hit my <laughs> grand slam playoffs, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, help with the YouTube front and everything too. So it's um, it's greatly appreciated, and I thank you for that.
0: Yeah. And uh, I know I've mentioned it a couple of times in the last uh, few episodes, but uh, we are getting more and more active on YouTube. Those uh, those videos are kind of shorter. We typically only cover one topic. It's usually a major topic uh, in the video. Um, so go ahead. I mean, if, you, if you're looking for more content, uh, then uh, that's an, another good place to find us. And Nick and I are, are working exclusively on that platform, and we we may add one more person uh, at some point, but uh, so this is essentially the YouTube crew doing the uh, regular show tonight. Yeah, that's so, cool.
1: So yeah, I'll Mike I'll Mike Monaco this anytime. I'll, yeah, anytime.
0: And yeah. actually, another thing, we're going to get started here probably within the next few weeks. Uh, we're going to do um, we're going to do Twitter Spaces uh, once a week, and uh, Nick will be. Uh, you know, that, a, that's a lot of fun. A central did player. That,
1: uh, what was it like a test out a couple weeks back? Yeah. And, uh, we had, it was a good, it was a good uh, vibe and a good audience that we had with a lot of good interaction with some good topics and everything too. Good debates. It was very healthy.
0: Yeah. We, um, over the course of two hours, uh, 88 people popped in and out uh, at various points. I think at one point, the highest we had at one time was like, 24. But uh, that was a very positive, uh, uh, you know, test run. And uh, it's something that I, I think we're going to try once a week, probably at some point in the middle of the week. We'll uh, we'll do that perhaps yep. like on a on a Red Sox off night. Um, you know, we'll uh, we'll give that a try. So if you're on Twitter and you want to hang out with us and voice your own uh, opinions, uh, that that's going to be the the best platform uh, for that. So. All right, let's uh, go ahead and get into some actual uh, Red Sox news. Alex Cora, um, in the last several hours, came out and said that Chris Sale is not going to be the opening day starter. And uh, it will likely be Corey Kluber at this point. So um, I guess... I. I shouldn't be surprised, but I still kind of am. So what's, what's your take on that?
1: I mean, I'll start you out with a question here. Does Chris deserve, deserve, deserve to be the opening day starter after what we've seen. And in my eyes, no, he didn't.
0: Well, I, I like that take. I really do because there's been, he hasn't lived up to his contract, so, no. so to say that he unequivocally deserves the nod on opening day—that I think that that's not fair. You're going to have a section of the fan base that will live and die by that narrative and right. expectation, but I don't think so. At the same time, I mean, is there a surefire? Uh, Candidate for it? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, Corey Kluber has looked okay in uh, spring training. In his first two outings, those were brief. He he didn't give up any runs. Looked okay. And then uh, let's see. I think it was Friday he started, and the command was way off. He was letting the first. I think it was the first two base runners reached in all four innings that he pitched and he only lasted two batters in that fourth inning and Cora pulled him like his command was definitely off. He is surprisingly hitting uh 92 93 on the gun, um, which I certainly didn't expect having thrown only 36 fastballs in last year. Yeah. yeah. The whole season, only 36 thrown. Yep. So, um, but Is what it is. I'm I'm, a little surprised, but.
1: I do think that it's a, I'm going to give a glimmer of hope that what we've seen in this, at least small sample size with Chris sale, with the velocity up the location looking pretty good. Maybe this is going to be a bright spot, just a glimmer of hope. I'm opening though. Just a glimmer. I need to see what he does with five, six, seven innings down his belt. That's my big, Takeaway here with what we're going to get from Chris Sale. I do think it's going to end up turning to uh, Corey Kluber to be that opening day starter. But, you know, Terry, in a way for this, so many people make such a big deal about this kind of stuff. Who who cares sometimes? Who cares sometimes who that opening day guy is? At the end of the day, we want to see the team win. We want to see them carry out and have hopefully a surprising good season. So whoever takes that ball opening day, I hope the six, seven innings win the ball game.
0: Hopefully, Uh, I mean, let's look at the other candidates. I mean, Nick Pavetta has not looked great. (laughs) So I I think we can rule out him. Uh, Tanner Houck is going to be stretched out enough so that if they wanted to do it, they could. But he's been up and down his first outing. Only 50% of his pitches were strikes. And then he looked great in the second outing. Um, So I thought, okay, good bounce back there for Houck. And then just today, I think... Only 42 strikes and 72 pitches. So another step back, you know, just a lot of inconsistency with him.
1: I was listening to his post-game uh, little thing he had against one of the night games. I think what did he throw against? Was that the Puerto Rico? One of the games that was last week he threw. I think it was the Tuesday night game. And I remember I had uh, sent you a message. I go, oh, Hulk looks good for the first couple innings. And then he kind of to unravel come the third or fourth. He's struggling right now with the rule change with the 15 second clock. I think it's going to be a mental thing with him making the adjustment on how he's going to figure out how to get that pitch and everything set. So it doesn't play mind games and everything with him. So I do think that's something to watch in the next start, because I know that Dave Bush is trying his best to get him into a good mental state. So he's prepared and, Ready to go if stretched out to be a starter.
0: That's actually an excellent point you just made, and he has had a couple of um, violations of the pitch clock, or probably more than that, in fact. And he was one pitcher that I thought could be affected by this more than me, too. more than anyone else. Chris Sale, usually one of the faster workers, I think Nick Pavetta as well. Don't quote me, is is typically. Uh, works pretty fast. I haven't obviously seen enough of Kluber uh, or, or even Paxton recently to get a sense on, on how it will be for them. But how definitely a slower, uh, more deliberate uh, pitcher. So not, not shocked. He, he's struggling more than uh, some of the other ones. Uh, with Corey Kluber, though, if opening day doesn't go well, it, it might i mean i wouldn't be surprised one way or the other he could pitch a gem or it doesn't but if we get if he has a tough outing on opening day yeah. and the Red sox don't win doesn't that won't that at least for the moment put put bloom in a, in a bad spot like that was his that was his big offseason pitching acquisition. I think a lot of this can come down to the first couple games
1: by looking at what Bloom has done this offseason, truthfully. If the Red Sox don't get off to a hot start at the beginning of this season, fans are going to come for his head, and they are going to be furious with what was done, the directions that were headed, the moves that were made. So if this team starts out the gate and say they go 4-10, 3-11, something like that, it ain't going to be pretty, Terry. It's not going to be pretty. And some. I think the Red Sox may have to make quite a move. If Bloom comes out and this team doesn't perform and pitching's awful and this team just doesn't look great, I think they'll be a departing person from the lovely uh, offices over at uh, Fenway Park. So they need a hot start to begin, no doubt.
0: They certainly do, and... They couldn't have an easier start, though. I mean, you got the Orioles and then really? the, I think the Tigers and the Pirates. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the exact order. I know definitely the Orioles to open the season, but um, those are three cupcake teams. Those are three yep. perennial fourth or fifth place teams. And you want to put some wins in the bank uh, against those teams. And if it, if it goes the opposite way, that's going to be tough. You, you can... The, one of the biggest cop-outs the Blumenati loves to give me on social media is, "Oh, we're only playing the division for fifty-two games this year." Well, yeah, you don't have that excuse now. So is everyone else. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just so lots of pressure That's what could
1: work in the advantage if you want to be positive on this coming season is that you don't have to play your division rivals that much now compared to how it always was. It's not as it's not as many this season. You are playing everybody now. So you have a very opportune opportunity to take care of some business when uh, you need to get some wins.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. You gotta you gotta put some of those uh, wins uh, in the bank. Uh, let's see here. Um, I'm looking for an updated. So Garrett Whitlock uh threw a live BP yesterday and is ex- yes, he, did. he threw 46 pitches actually and I believe he is expected to get into a spring training game next week. Uh let's see. Bayo uh, will throw two innings of batting practice on Wednesday and make his uh first spring training start around March 19th or 20th. So he's very uh, close. So he's about a week out. That would, uh, a week from today being Monday for the listening audience would be uh, the 20th. So that would leave him. Let's see one. Let's see. Let's say it's the 20th. So that's Monday. He could pitch again on Saturday and then that would be, he would get his third, Start. No, he won't have uh, five days from his second start would actually be opening day, so he'll only get two starts in before opening day and probably I'm guessing uh, as well as Whitlock for at least one or two starts pitch uh, in extended spring training. But these are significant strides for them that that see them getting
1: ramped up is important.
0: That basically tells me they'll probably miss no more than uh, two weeks of this season, and there are some off days uh, built in there as well. So, yeah, I could see this as
1: a ten-day DL stint, basically, with before the season starts. Hopefully, you know, knock on wood, and everything that they're back by. Even worst case scenario, let's say April, um, maybe tenth or so. April April tenth. That would be that would be my. spotlight right there and hopefully they can get themselves there
0: and that's what the you know that's what Alex core and Hein bloom have have hoped for they said that that was the best case mm-hmm. scenario and they seem to be on track for that excuse me uh as well uh final note I guess before we wrap Justin Turner looks more and more like he will in fact be ready for opening day the stitches are already out. So um that uh that tells me that he's basically on track. I mean, you're 17 days out and he's going to start hitting not in game action, but he's going to start taking some at bats um starting I think uh today or tomorrow uh as well as uh some light fielding activities.
1: Yeah, I wasn't surprised with this. I think I told you a few times when we were doing our YouTube show with this um off camera was that I didn't think that the for Justin Turner to stop the season. He'll be there opening day. He'll be ready to go.
0: That's what it looks like. I give it
1: 100% that he's in that lineup opening day.
0: As horrifying as it was, uh, and the word I used on social media was gruesome. uh, Oh, it was. Yeah. So also another best-case scenario. Yeah. And I actually, for what it's worth, uh, Trevor's story is... um, Fielding some grounders, he's not throwing them, but he's you know he's getting Instant on the field position
1: and getting himself out in the field,
0: moving around, just kind of snagging yeah. some grounders. So I guess that's a, a baby step uh, along the way of his recovery. Do you think that they're gonna
1: see? I think that they could be op, it could be optimistic with the recovery from him. You know, if they get him back even a little bit after the All Star break, I think that's a best case scenario situation right there. I don't think he's going to be out the whole year. I would agree with and that. I'm hoping he's not, but they need him healthy.
0: There's also a scenario where, and I'm not rooting for this, this wouldn't be a good scenario, but if Devers or Casas were to be injured, let's say, um, and this would, would be towards the middle part of the season, you have Justin Turner that can play either corner, and then uh, Trevor Story could probably DH for you, and that could be a way to you know at least get a key bat uh, back in the lineup. Back in the lineup. Not a bad idea. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into more of that uh, later on and perhaps on some uh, YouTube episodes. But Devers, the only person that can protect him right now is Turner. He, Story yep. would be a, a significant right handed bat. Not that he would hit, uh, you know, after Devers, but you're you're definitely weak you know from the right side of the plate. You're a much
1: better team with Trevor Story than without and you need that thump in your lineup to protect all these guys. M- mainly Devers truthfully cuz Devers right now even I'm a little skeptical here with how Justin Turner is going to protect them. But we'll have to see when opening day hits and how it goes.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, appreciate you joining us, Nick. And, uh, again, you. uh, find us on YouTube, just search the bastards of Boston. Uh, you might have to click the live stream tab because that's how we record. Um, but that's, you know, do that when you, uh, get to the channel and, uh, we expect to have at least probably two or three videos a week, if not more of it's, uh, warranted. So, um, so be on the lookout for those and, uh, the regular crew probably will be back. I would say midweek, uh, or sooner if, uh, a major development does, uh, take place. So everyone, uh, have a good, uh, Monday and, uh, take care.